0: We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We're coming right to you. I want to introduce to you Kevin Singleton on the piano, the keyboards. Good friends, come on, Kevin. Uh, Kevin's uh, learning how to do worship, so we, we thought we'd give him, we thought we'd give him a platform here to kind of work out the kinks. So please don't judge him. Uh, but. <laughs> uh, He's phenomenal. We've known each other since early 90s and and been doing uh, ministry together since early 90s. It's just a pleasure to have you out here. He's a a very, very good friend. Not only can he play keyboards, he can play basketball and he can preach. So uh, don't you give it up as
1: Kevin comes down and preaches for us today. Thanks, Johnny. If you leave the clicker right there, I'm going to start off with this song. And then I'll use my I use my Britney Spears mic. Yeah, I brought it from New York. So Psalm uh ninety seventeen. I can't see that because I don't have on uh my reading glasses. Uh what does that say? Can somebody read what? Is it close enough? Is it closer right there? Yeah, but then I can't somebody read it real loud for me. What does it say? So I was, um, I was reading through Psalm 90 one time and came across that, and I was like, man, I really need favor. And so as a songwriter, you hear melodies. Sometimes you hear melodies first. Sometimes you hear words first. And so I wrote this song, and then we're going to talk about favor, and then, um, then we'll sing it together maybe later. But it goes like this. And, uh, yeah, that's all I'll say right now. I don't like that sound. May your favor rest upon me, establish the work of my hands, may your grace always go before So will know you near. Why don't you string it with me? Uh, may your favor. May your favor rest upon me. Establish the work. That I do on. Let me put them on Britney Spears, mic. Uh, y'all old enough? So y'all, y'all know who Britney Spears is. <laughs> <laughs> so the that song is actually my wife has heard that song about I don't know how many. Hundreds or thousands of times she's heard it because I sing that every day before I almost every day before I leave my house to go to work in the poorest congressional district in the United States of America. So how many of you were not here last time I spoke? You were not here. Okay, I figured that. So I thought I would um, I would share a little bit about me before I start talking. So because if you're like me, if you're like me, you want to know why should I listen to this person? Right. So I used to be skinny. That was 1986, (laughs) and I actually did dunk that basketball. I used to have swag, (laughs) also 19, I think it was 1987. Um, And I get a chance to punch sphinxes around the world. Uh, I like horses now. I've discovered this in the last four years. Um, uh, What else? I dress like a cowboy when I can, only in Colorado, though. I didn't show you all that one last time, did I? Uh, yeah, this is unique. This is very unique. Uh have an opportunity to sing. This is at the United Nations. Uh wait, is there a pointer on this thing? Like a uh, like a like a thing? Okay, so uh that's that is a South African ambassador to the United Nations and they had, and that's my wife and then that's one of the top guitarists in the world. His name is Eli Menezes Barbosa. And he plays with all kind of folks. He was on my worship band. He was on that record that we did together back in, in uh two thousand seven, Jet. And I had gotten asked to sing at the United Nations for Winnie Mandela's memorial service. And so I, I'm kind of the default. when, Especially when people cancel, they call me and say, hey, can you play at this memorial service at the, at the UN? So I've done two of them. It's pretty cool. Um, again, we like to ride animals That's on the pyramids. That's, I, t- I had an opportunity to sing at Radio City Music Hall. And I founded this organization called Elevate New York, which is in the poorest congressional district in America. It's Congressional District 16. And so because of what I want to teach you today about favor, you'll understand why it's important for me to sing that song with desperation every morning before I leave the house. At Elevate, what we do is we try to touch these seven areas in the holistic model uh, approach of, of reaching of youth development. And so we talk to kids about intellectual, social, social emotional, intellectual advancement, physical and spiritual, vocational, and financial and we do it by teaching these 13 character qualities and life skills in a public school. And we, we, we actually um, group those things in these three areas, future mapping, keys for success, and internal compass. We want to help our students understand what does it mean to have an internal compass. What is your due north? And then once you, dis- once you discover that, then can you, knowing what you believe and as you discover who you are, can you say in the future, I want to be this? Can you vision cast? And if you can then what are the steps that you take to get from where you are to where you want to go, right? And so you have to understand, kids in the poorest congressional district in America, they never have anyone talking to them like I'm talking to you right now. For the most part, the only people they, they, that they know who are successful are people who are, you know, they're they're in pharmaceutical sales. I'll say it like that, uh, right? Um <laughs> <laughs> and so we do that through these four program areas, in school, after school mentoring. So we take kids into boardrooms. We have a relationship with a group called Instinet, and so we take them there in the boardroom in Times Square, and they get a chance to fob into a building that's a billion-dollar company, and the parent company is Memorial. Now, what's a Memorial worth? Multiple 10, 12 billion, right? And so, so kids who literally, families of three live on $17,000 a year. That's the kids we work with, families of five. You know, the scale graduates is 28 to 32,000. And so every every kid's on free lunch. And for them to fob into a building and hang out with people at a billion-dollar company, we're exposing them to things that they will never get exposed to. And then we get them out into nature because out in nature, you apply what you've learned in the classroom, and then we take kids on trips to expose them to college. And we make sure that they graduate from high school. So 97% of the kids in our program graduate from high school as opposed to 57% in the neighborhood and about 75% in the school at large. So you know if you walk into an Elevate class that every one of those kids are going to graduate from high school. And so the, the district found out about that, District 8, which is in our poorest, progressive District, and they said, you know that money that uh, Barack Obama, that uh, My Brother's Keepers initiative? I don't know if any of you saw that. He was taking a lot of pictures in the White House of brown and black boys. Well, that money that was initiated in 2016 is just hitting... The schools now. What's this? Twenty? What? Nineteen? Yes. Thank you. Federal government. So, three years later, the money's hitting here, and they came to me in in midway in April, and they said, "Hey, can you execute on this by the end of June?" I said, "What? You've had it since when? And you want it done by when?" And so that's the way the school system works. And so what I've done for the last six weeks is work with another four schools, and we had a we had an event here. And now we're part of the My Brothers Keepers initiative, which is kind of cool. You can Google it. It's a lot of cool stuff. We get a chance to do that. And so they were interviewing me there, and that's what it is with President Barack Obama. So I'm hoping that something like this will catapult our, our organization into national attention um, because they came to us and asked us to do it. And so the, the way, the point of favor, I was, I was asking John, I was like, no, you asked me to preach on whatever I want. I said, well, this is my favorite message. It's favor because most of the stuff that we've accomplished with Elevate New York and my former treasurer is sitting right there Oliver Glenn and uh, he can tell you uh, I'm not going to say don't don't be afraid I'll, I'll say good stuff uh, but most there there was not a lot of nonprofit executive strategy in my bones when I started this I started this because I was passionate about kids and then after I got <laughs> passionate about kids and started this organization, I realized, oops, I guess I got to run a board of directors. I guess I got to build a board of directors. Oops, I guess I got to understand governance. Oops, I guess I got to... And so I have an MBA from the University of Hard Knocks with a special emphasis in, oops, I won't do that again. <laughs> right? And so the way we've done what we've done, which is raised $3 million, invested into the poorest congressional district over the last 10 years, or about a $300,000 a year company, We've worked with 2,050 kids, got a 97% graduation rate, and from the kids who have graduated that didn't drop out, we've probably saved the U.S. taxpayer between $15 million and $100 million by investing $3 kind of good ROI, okay? And thank you, and we've done that all because I was passionate. I'm learning some of the strategy now, but we, I keep trying to fire myself and hire, and, and hire somebody who can really run a nonprofit organization, so... Uh, we might be close to having someone. We just had a bad experience that Oliver and I don't want to think about right now. But here's but here's uh, my premise for the day. Ephesians 411 says, somebody read it for me. I don't I didn't I didn't put all the verses because I want to do this like a classroom and I want you all to, to play along. Read Ephesians 411. What does it say? No, 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 not that. What does it say in the actual Bible? In an actual Bible. Because what I'm gonna tell you is that I'm a teacher, these are pastors. Pastors act differently than teachers. This is what I'm going to show you. Somebody read that passage, Ephesians 4, real loud. Maybe I will use your mic. Where's your mic? Oh, you put it in your bag, huh? <laughs> Only chow. All right. Yeah, yeah. Read that for us.
0: And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers.
1: All right. So he gave some to be up uh, uh, what? Apostles. Some. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So I am a teacher, which is why I work in schools and I teach. Pastors care for people. Like if you go to the hospital, you probably don't want me to come and visit you because I'll give you a pop quiz. They'll go by your bed and they'll pray for you and cry with you and all that stuff. And I'm going to go, did you do your homework? Different gifts, right? And so you have to have all. The church is actually a five-cylinder vehicle, and most churches don't use all five-cylinders. A lot of churches use a teacher, I mean, or they use the evangelist, or they use a pastor, but do they use the prophet, and do they use the apostle? And so you're going to hear from a teacher today, and I will do stuff like give you a pop quiz. I think I'll give you a pop quiz today, actually. Does anybody who's never been in ministry know what the six elementary teachings of Christianity are based on Hebrews 6 without looking at your Bible? Elementary. Because I teach in high schools every day. And then we teach those high school kids to go and teach elementary school kids what they've learned. So so what what I've discovered is there's like preschool, then there's elementary school, then there's middle school, and then there's high school. Is that right? Is that how it works in California too? Yes. So you got preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school. What are you doing? No, no. No, no, you can't do that, pastor. All right. Then there's college. Then there's grad school. There's PhDs. So the, the verse says this. Now, if I start to say, tell me your ABCs, that's, that's elementary school, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. If I said sing along, we'd all know the song, right? We know addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. That's elementary school. If I said, can someone, if you ask me, can you describe, a, un, a, explain to us differential equations, I go, no, you crazy. What about calculus? Dropped out of it. Thought I wanted to be an engineer till I took calculus. No, no, no right? So, but addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, I'm kind of good on that. That's elementary math. So, the scripture says this in Hebrews 6, let us leave the elementary teachings of our faith and go on to maturity, because that's what life is about, maturity, right? Nobody boasts in how immature they are. I just want to tell you how immature I am. (laughs) Nobody does that. And so, the scripture says, let us leave the elementary teachings of our faith and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of Because the most important part of this building is not the light fixtures or the projector or even the wall, but the most important part of this building is what we cannot see. It's the foundation. I heard that they spent an entire year underground building the former World Trade Centers before you could see anything above ground. And I wonder if they knew that there was going to be a terrorist attack would they have spent two years underground building a much stronger foundation and reinforced it with some kind of space-age technology so that... Even if a 787 would have hit it, it would have bounced off. Because up until that time, there was no such thing as a 757. And so they built the foundation for the type of attack that they thought it could withstand. And what happens is if you build your foundation for one level of attack and then a greater level of attack happens, then you'll, what will happen to your life and to my life is what we saw on CNN. The planes hit the building, they stuck into the building. And the CNN reporter said this, the heat from the the plane is weakening the foundational structure of the building. And heat will weaken your foundational structure. And eventually it fell with a great crash. Right? So the scripture says, let us leave the elementary teachings of our faith and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of, and it gives six elementary foundational teachings of Christianity. I used to go to Christian camps and I would have a $100 bill with me. I run a nonprofit now, so I don't have a $100 bill with me. Um, and, but I would like to bet you all $100 that nobody in here could give it to me. And then John will give you the $100. Repentance from acts that lead to death, faith towards God, instructions about baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. That's basic Christianity. And then what I would do is I would ask the kids at these youth camps, I'd say, give me one verse on repentance, one verse on faith, or one verse on resurrection, or one verse on baptism, or one verse on laying on of hands. Because that's a basic Christianity, right? And so I said all that to say I might give you a pop quiz, and I just did, and I don't think you all did too well. So so here's what Simon Peter says. He says, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received faith, a faith of the same kind as ours, by righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace. Everybody say grace and peace. He says grace and peace be multiplied, not added, not subtracted, not divided. Grace and peace be multiplied. Come on, say multiply with me. Multiplied to you in the name of God. The na- in the, no, no, learn to read. Multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he said that grace and peace can actually be multiplied, not added. Multiplied to us. How many of you want some multiplication of grace in your life? It's not a trick question. All right. Now, grace is interesting and that's what we're going to talk about because favor and grace can be used interchangeably so the the Greek scholars tell me i am not a greek scholar but i love people who study 8 to 12 hours a day so that people like me who don't want to study 8 to 12 hours a day can take their knowledge and use it and apply it common grace is what the bible says that it says the scripture tells us that it rains on people's grass who loves god who love god and those who don't love god when it rains to to water the earth, God doesn't just make it rain on Christian's grass. It rains for everybody. There is a common grace that everyone gets to partake in just because you're creating the image of God. Isn't that cool? It's amazing. Common grace is like this. People who hate God write symphonies where you can sense the glory of God in that symphony. People who hate God will draw a piece of art where you can see the glory of God in that piece of art. That's called common grace. And most people think that God is mad, and God actually loves us more than he's mad at us, if you really study his nature and character. We see a few things, and we think, man, God is mad. Why do we always call negative things acts of God? You notice that? In in, in contracts. Unless there's an act of God. means something negative happened. What about all the good things? Aren't they acts of God as well? All right, I'll stop all that. Provenient grace. Amy Grant said in, like this in her song, Angels Watching Over Me, back in the 1900s. A reckless car ran out of gas before it ran my way. Angels watching over me. There's something about God where at times, I don't understand why he does it sometimes or sometimes he doesn't, where his prevenient grace comes in and stops things. It prevents, you see the root word prevent, it prevents things from happening. Right? And then the theologians also tell us there's another kind of grace, it's called salvific grace. Salvific grace is when you realize that you're not perfect. So, just to make sure we're on the same page, all the perfect people, could you just stand up and tell us how we can be like you? Those of you who've never made a mistake, then I'd like to talk to some of your family members. So, salvific grace is when you realize you're not perfect and you realize that there was a perfect sacrifice who lived in your place, gave his life overcame death, hell, and the grave, appeared to people in the first century so that even secular and Jewish historians report about it, claimed to be God, rose from the dead, appeared to people, and ascended into heaven and infills the hearts of people today. That's when you realize I need that kind of salvation and that salvific grace begins to change why you do what you do in life. So this school is sitting here today because of the 1647 Old Deluter, Old Deluter Satan Act. Has anybody read the Old Deluter Satan Act of 1647? <laughs> of course you haven't because they don't teach us that in schools anymore because America is no longer a Christian country. We're a very secularized country. And so we would rather people not understand our history. I challenge you to get a book called America's God and Country. And you can read some of the original writings of our founders. And you can understand why things happen. There's a public school system in America because of Christianity. It being the chief end of that old deluded Satan to keep men ignorant from the Bible. That's the preamble. We therefore order that any town containing 50 families shall have a tutor to teach young boys to read and write the Bible. And if a town gets to 100 families, you should then set up a school where the young men will be fitted for Harvard College. If you took a trip with me to Harvard that I take every year with my kids, you got to go in the wintertime because in the summertime, the leaves cover the tree. But they, they cover the leaves cover the, not the, tr- the tree. The leaves cover this placard. And on the wall, I'm going to try to quote it. I, hadn't, I didn't mean to do this. So it says something like this. After we had raised our businesses and reared houses worship, The next thing we thought we should do is create an institution where young men could be fitted for the ministry when our current ministers shall lie in the dust. And that is why Pastor John Harvard gave his library to start Harvard College. Princeton, cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. Right? So people don't understand that, and so we walk away from it. Okay, so here we go. Next one. Favor. If I said to you, what does favor mean? What does favor mean? Does anybody want another pop quiz? No? The irresistible charisma of Christ that comes upon a person who accepts their calling in life so that others are inclined to like you, help you, cooperate with you, even if they're not instinctively drawn to you. Anybody want that? One more time, the irresistible charisma of Christ that comes upon a person who accepts their calling in life so that others are inclined to like you, help you, cooperate with you, even if they're not instinctively drawn to you. God's affection towards you, God's power through you. That's favor. That's a composite definition. We're going to look at some individual uh, stories here in a minute. But if you, I think if you just look, if you study everyone in the Bible, that's a great definition of what it means to have favor at work in your life, right? So favor is directional. Somebody read for me, Luke 2.52. And and you were right on that. Thank you, sir. And Jesus advanced or grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God and men. So if Jesus had to grow in it, how much more you and I? If Jesus had to improve in something, how much more? you and I. He grew in favor. You know, our ministry, when you grow in favor with God, your ministry has favor, but your personality doesn't necessarily have it. John, you're looking confused. You went, hmm. So, I've got some friends that if I really need prayer, I want them to pray for me. Like, this dude can pray. I'm thinking of one in particular. He's really, he can really pray. And he's been praying for 40 years for New York City and seeing some amazing things happen, like in the prisons, right? Like serious prayer. But when I introduce him to people, he kind of weirds me out a little bit. He kind of says, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, too many times. It's just weird. And I'm like, I need you to be a little more favorable with man. I mean, I want you to, I want you to pray to God because you got some pull with God. But you got to freak my friends out a little bit. You know those people that when you're at a restaurant and so, so I'm a musician, so I'm sensitive to this. Like, there's a volume level in the restaurant. Everyone at their table is kind of talking at this level. And then there's, there's someone that you invited, your friend. And that friend of yours is talking like this to you right there. And you got to go, yo, are you talking to me or them? Like, I'm right here, cuz. Okay? Volume. You're at a 55. We're all at an 8. We need you to come down here with us. That's, that's people... They have favor with God, but they're not socially and emotionally aware when they interact with humans, right? And sometimes because they spend so many hours in prayer, right? Jesus had favor with God, but he also had favor with man. People were mad at Jesus because he was hanging out with people that religious people wouldn't hang out with. He was hanging out with prostitutes. He was hanging out with the religious leaders of the day that everybody was calling hypocrites. Well, he hung out with the religious leaders, the prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors who were the worst government officials of the day. He hung out with everybody. And so man likes, right? So favor with man is everyone likes them, but their life doesn't necessarily have transformative power flowing through it. So some people, everyone loves them, but if you need, really need prayer, uh, you don't really want them to pray. You want them to, like, set up the party, you want them to be the person greeting at the door. You want them to make sure everybody's having a good time. But when you need prayer, they haven't logged the hours. They don't have favor with God. They've got favor with man. We, if we want to be like, what would Jesus do? Remember the what would Jesus do bracelets? Do they still have those things? I know one thing he wouldn't do. He probably wouldn't wear What would I do bracelet. But anyway, um, <laughs> he wants us to have favor with man and God favor with man men vote for you favor with God God votes for you all right now there is a favor delay just in case you wondering. if if you ask for favor it doesn't always come right away right favor delay so um somebody read Luke 128 for me Luke 128 how am I doing on time John what time do I stop one o'clock? No, that's not, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Luke one twenty-eight. 28. I think you're right. I think you're right. Go for it. <laughs> I need everybody to hear it. Mm-hmm.
0: Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what version are you reading from? New Living Translation. Okay, we need some older versions of the Bible. <laughs> yes, these young people nowadays are reading them young. Bible. Uh, no, NIV, NIV, IV. That's the book for me. I mean, IV positive. Just kidding. <laughs> Too many jokes here. Negro international version. Come on, hurry up. Find it before I... Find it so I can stop. It's
0: good. <laughs> the angel, angel went to her and said, greetings
1: you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You who are highly favored. So if you just deduct that, if you can be highly favored, then I think you can be probably lowly favored. If you can be lowly favored, maybe you can be mediumly favored, not a word. So if there's favor that's available to me, I don't know about you guys, but I was a pretty high-level high, high level athlete, not as high-level as you, but if I could get more of a in an aspect of my game, I wanted as much of an improvement in the areas I could get. I didn't want to just become an okay shooter. I wanted to become the best shooter I could be, right? I didn't want to become just an okay defensive player. I was actually better at defense and offense when I played back 85 pounds ago. Um, it wasn't that funny. You can stop those comments. <laughs> um, I was a great defensive player because I worked at it over and over and over, right? So if there's favor, you want to be highly favored. What does that mean? Right? Highly favored can look highly suspicious for about nine months. (laughs) The angel came to to Mary and said, Hail Mary, you who are highly favored, you're going to be a child. Right? And for nine months, she's walking around Jerusalem. I guess she was, what, 14, 15, Jerusalem high school. She would have been a freshman. And go like, so Mary, what's up with the big sweatshirts? All the time, even in the summertime. You still rocking sweatshirts, girl? What's happening? See what I'm saying? <laughs> Y'all think it's like just like really boring people reading this, writing this Bible? They're like, they're going, girl, you look fat. What's going on? All right. So anyway, well that's, at least, that's at least the way we interpret the Bible in the Bronx. So Acts 7, 9 through 10, what does it say about favor and God giving Joseph favor? Anybody? Somebody not in the first two rows, back back row Bibles. Anybody? Any Bibles? Any Bibles in the back of the room? You guys are doing. Thank you all for bailing me out, though. Bibles in the back of the room. That looks like a Bible. So... That's all right. You're right. You're in Acts right there. Yeah, yeah. Acts. What is it? Acts 7, seven, nine, and ten. Help us. Okay, Acts seven, Port nine. 5. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I can't see um, because the patriarch. Patriarchs were jealous of Joseph. They
0: sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace.
1: Wow. He had favor. His brothers were jealous. If you read the story of Joseph, we're not going to take time to read it. But he had a dream, and in the dream, he told his brothers that, he, that they would bow down before him, right? And so, I mean, he was the youngest kid. He had designer clothes. Um, and, well, he did. He had a coat of many colors, right, his daddy. And so his daddy kind of messed him up right there, kind of treating him as a favorite, right? And then he tells his brothers, he said, look, I had a dream last night. This is, this is the case for not always telling people your dreams, okay? So tells his brothers his dream. Right. And he said, I am going to rule over you guys. You're going to be bowing down to me. I saw it like stars and sheaves and stuff. And so they see him walking out. His brother, his dad says, go, go take some food to your brothers. And he's walking out and they go, here comes the dreamer. Let's throw him in this pit. Threw him in the pit. They sold him to some Midianites who were coming by, people from another country. Those Midianites then sold him to Potiphar. So why? To Potiphar. Potiphar was an official, an Egyptian official. Sold him to Potiphar's wife. Sold him to Potiphar's wife. Sold him to Potiphar, and then Potiphar's wife attacked him, kept his coat. I am just uh, giving you the highlights. Told her husband, this man tried to attack me. He was thrown into prison when he was in prison. Now, he got the dream at 17, and this is a 13-year process. He's in prison, he's helping people, he's interpreting their dreams, more dreams, right? And then he tells one guy, he says, look, if you get out of here before me, please tell somebody that I'm really good at interpreting dreams. But the guy gets out, and the guy forgets. But then one day, Pharaoh at the time has a dream. He says, nobody can interpret it. And the guy goes, oh my gosh, like two years ago, there was a dude who told me, don't forget about him. So let's go check on that guy. So they go and get the guy that you forgot about for like two years, and he's, and Joseph interprets a dream with such wisdom that Pharaoh says, "Okay, here's the deal. you're second in charge in the country because of your ability to interpret dreams. you go from you go from being in a pit to Potiphar's house to prison to vice president and it, if you read every one of those accounts, and hopefully you'll just i I did it like this because I want you to just email this to anybody who wants it, right? If you go and read Genesis 37, you'll see the word favor there. You'll see the word favor in 39. You'll see the word favor in 40. You'll see the word favor in 41. In verse 46, it says the dude was 30 years old. It took him 13 years to go from a dreamer to vice president of a nation. That's what favor does. Anybody want favor? Favor? So here's my dream. I just thought I'd go for it because I don't live here and I'm, y'all can't catch me and throw me into a pit. Um, my dream is I want 350 pipelines in New York City. That costs about $1.5 million each. And so it's going to be about uh, 2. $250 million a year to maintain. But if I do that, then we can totally change the public school system in New York. Because there's 1.1 million kids in public schools in New York, and there's 862,000 of them who live in poverty. Before I did this, I was a motivational speaker. So I would travel to suburbs like this, and then schools would fly me in, and I would speak like three times a day like this, and they would pay me money, and then I would leave, and I would go to another school. And I did it all around the country and all around the world. But for the last 10 years, I have worked with, we still don't live in the South Bronx, but 180 days a year at least, now we're doing summer school. This year we're going to do summer school. So it will be over 300 days this year that I will spend... Within the poorest congressional district in America, living with the most challenging young people and their families, doing life with their families. Because when you get invited to a quinceanera, I think I'm pronouncing it right, am I? Right? You family now. When you get invited to a birthday party and you're the only person who's not related, you're family now. Those are the kind of things that we do. We start off as teachers, then we go to mentors, then we come, become surrogates for some of these people, for some of these young people. And so now when you do life with them for a decade... When I watch CNN or Fox, I'm going, ain't none of y'all live where I live. None of y'all. Mm-hmm. You can all say whatever you want. Come and spend a week with me in the South Bronx. You're going to change all that crap. Oh, ooh. All that stuff you're saying. Because don't, none, obviously, some of y'all say you grew up in the hood, but something happened to you when you got to Washington, D.C. Because the stuff you're talking about right now, that don't work sorry, Louisiana, that don't work in the South Bronx. So Esther one favor. I love this slide here because favor can be won. God can cause you to have it. God can give it to you. You can find it. You can ask for it. You can win for it. You can win it. And a whole bunch of people can have it. You know, I challenge you. This is one word study from one word in the entire Bible. And I heard someone speak on this about 15 years ago, and I was like, there's that much stuff about one word? And I read, I mean, I, I, just, I just put favor, I just use, not, not, you know, I just Google, Bible Gateway, favor. And you can just read for months. Esther, it says she won favor, and because she won favor, she saved an entire nation. Daniel, it says God caused favor to be shown to him. Remember Daniel in the lion's den, right? I don't know how that all worked out, but the lions didn't eat him. Maybe they fed him before they put him in there. I don't know how they, how it worked out, right? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, y'all remember that, right? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I'm, I'm sorry. It's funny, certain things only <laughs> brothers can say when they're preaching, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like reverse. I like it, though. I like it. <laughs> I'm thinking of something that I don't know you well enough. I'll say it next time I come here. All right. So, <laughs> I love the culture thing because we because we tiptoe around it a lot in our country, but it's but it's in all of our faces, right? And we like like okay. So I've got I'll, I will say this part. I got a white friend, right? And he goes, he goes. I don't even see your color. I'm going. Well, that's stupid. What are you saying? So if you don't see my color, so that means you see me like you. What you trying to say, bro? I'm as chocolate as chocolate gets. This is Hershey. That's black. Don't call me black. I'm Hershey. See the difference? Hershey, black. Black Hershey. Got it? Got it? All right? And so that's a funny way to say we need to have some real discussions with people who look different than us. Right? right? Because you don't understand. You can't. I can't say anything about white people until I understand white people's epistemological framework. Sorry, big word. Right? I was talking to a friend the other day, and, and they were too long of a story. Okay, so back over here. Joseph was given favor. David found favor with Saul. If you find favor, if I, if I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, would you allow me to? And then you ask him for something. Nehemiah, I don't have it up here. Nehemiah goes to the king, right, and says, can I get wood, supplies, and protective passage back to the city to rebuild that you just burned down? Who does that? And the king did it. That's favor. Favor is at work with you when people say, you know what, we've never thought about that before, but for you, I think we'll do it. So I'm at, a, I'm at an event the, uh, four years ago. It's a breakfast. It was called a friend raiser. We had hired this lady to help us raise funds. And she said, we're going to do a friend raiser. I'm like, we don't need friends. We need funds. (laughs) I need a fundraiser. She said, well, we're going to do a friend raiser first. I'm like, I really have enough friends. And so so we had this friend raiser, right? And I make a statement that we only have one computer in every classroom in our school. And I said, with technology now, we can help get get kids back to grade level proficiency, but they got to have computers. So this lady walks up to me and she says, if you will write me two paragraphs... You're supposed to fill out this whole grant, but if you write me two paragraphs, I'll get you a computer lab. If you walked in in our high school today, there's a $189,000 computer lab that's there because of Elevate slash Kevin Singleton. Because, look, when she said, if you'll write me two paragraphs, I was like, ding, 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 favor's at work here. This is not, favor is not fair. For whatever reason, she happened to work with the Bronx Borough President's Office, and she could make one phone call or write one email or forward my email and get me all the way around the grant process to get $189,000. That's favor. You understand that? That's not skill on my part. I didn't have the skill to do that. I had favor. I had the favor of God and favor with man working on my behalf. Right? So ask. Let's let's talk about asking because that's what we're going to do. We're about to do these three things, and then we're going to pray. What time did you say? I I need to stop. I didn't hear hear your time. Uh Now, you don't have that authority. What? My watch says 212. Can anybody tell me after service, how do I make my Apple watch switch time zones? Okay? Because I am having problems right here. It is not 212, is it? It is. Bro, my geolocation is jacked up, man. I don't even know what a geolocation is. But thank you for using that big word. Okay, so you're going to help me with my geolocations after? Huh? Yes, absolutely. I don't know. He, he, that's a deep voice for teenagers. But anyway, moving right along, somebody read Psalm. <laughs> he's like a grown man over there. He's like, "Can somebody read Psalm 119.58 for me? Because we're going to ask for favor. That's how you get it. You go, how do you get this? Well, grace is in all of us, right? So there's a dimension of favors the moment we get saved. Where it's by grace you've been saved. Grace, favor, same Greek word. Used interchangeably, some theologians tell us. But we can also ask for more. So. Let's talk about it. Psalm 119, 58. It's not that long. Someone read it real loud. Shout it out. That don't sound right. Psalm 119, 58? 119, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that don't sound like the right verse. Chris, can you help him? <laughs> you can't read either? <laughs> Lord, we pray for McKenna, for Jax. For we pray for all the children. Their parents can't read. All right, go ahead. I entreat your favor with all my heart. There we go. To me according to your <laughs> That's the one right there. What version is that? That is ESV. ESV. Okay. I entreat your favor, or um, anybody got a New King James or NIV? A lot of different versions of this Bible. Entreat is just a word for ask, okay? So we don't need to go through all that. That's what the word means. I entreat entreat. Your favor. I ask you for your favor. Okay? So, literally, when I realized this, over a decade I've been asking God for favor. i like, God, I need favor. I just, I need more favor. And things continue to happen. Story, I could tell you story after story. I won't, but I told you the, the computer story. There are so many stories where God just does that because I asked for it. And I know that He moves on behalf of his children as they ask. All right. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. We always quote that, but we miss out on 1 through 4. All right. So uh, I'm going to have to get my own Bible. (laughs) But somebody start reading it. I highly recommend that you go back and study that on your own. Proverbs are great, by the way, just in general. There's 31 proverbs. Uh, I'm a teacher, and I'm an etymologist. Pro means in front of. So a projector throws light in front, although that's, that's not a good illustration because that, the light's coming from within. But a projector, projector throws light in front, right? A prophecy, a prophecy tells something before it happens, right? A verb is an action word. So the proverbs tell you the actions in life before they happen. Wouldn't you want to know that? Well, you don't even have to remember what day it is. So when I was on the, the elliptical machine at the hotel this morning, I was listening, because I'm an auditory learner, I was listening to Proverbs 23. Is today the day the 23rd? Yep. Yes, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'll do Proverbs 24. The next day, I'll do 25. It's just what I do. It's just part of my daily, my morning routine, OK? And so when you learn those Proverbs, they really help you in life. So, so here, here's the formula. I was talking with John about this at, at uh, breakfast, second breakfast, I think it was. Right, like the hobbits <laughs> yeah, I had okay, anyway, so I'm having too much fun. Do not forget this is how you this is how you win favor because there's formulas to win things to win you want to win a game, there's a formula. you want to win in the financial markets, there's a formula, right so here's the, here's the favor formula if you want to win it now, you can ask for it, but you can also win it. It can also be given to you. don't forget, you can get it a lot of ways. you can find it, all right, but if you want to win it. This is how you do it. You can't forget his teaching. Do not forget. You have to keep his commands. So don't lose them. You have to let love and faithfulness never leave you. And the way I read in my Bible, all the green things, that's the action words. That's what I get to do, right? There's some things that I do that God won't do for me, and there's things that um, only God does that I can't do, and if I try, I I. Discover quickly I'm not God. (laughs) Last time I checked, I couldn't even make a star, much less a galaxy. All right? Um, so, So do not forget. Keep commands. Let. How do you let love and faithfulness never leave you? How do you let? How do you do that? What does let mean for you? That's three letters. They're so powerful. How do you bind love and faithfulness around your neck? How do you write them on the tablet of your heart? Well, one of the ways... Uh, Cox educational Opportunities tells us that if you take notes, when you're learning something, that the act of writing it down will help stamp it in your memory. And that if you don't take notes, I'm not offended, but those of you who aren't taking notes, I already know you're going to forget four out of five things I said. Because you can only remember 20% of what you hear and don't, don't write. So, I'm fine with that. I should have told you at the beginning if I really wanted you to remember. All right. But that's why it's kind of good to take notes in school, right? Did I give the illustration that if someone calls you tomorrow morning and it's, they got a $10 million deal for you and they say they're going to give you 30 digits and, and addresses, uh, would you just say, okay, go ahead, I'm listening. Go ahead. Go ahead. $10 million deal? Yeah, I got it. Go ahead. No, you wouldn't do that. You would stop. You put them on hold. You get every secretary in the room. You get everybody to write it down, and you would triple check it after they gave you the digits, How much more? The Word of God. Okay, anyway, uh, meanwhile, back in the spirit, (laughs) bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Okay? You got to do not forget, you got to keep, you got to let, you got to bind, you got to write. And I think for many of us, some of those things are different. What does it mean to, to never let love and faithfulness Leave you, okay? So you have to discover some of that on your own. But that, those are the favor tendencies. You got to know those tendencies. You got to know the formula, and you can win it. Now, Acts 2, 246, corporate favor. All right? Y'all actually have a lot of this, especially for, I don't know how much, you haven't spent a whole lot of time just on this one word, have you? All right? So actually, I feel this. What I'm about to teach you here. And yeah, I don't wanna yeah, y'all say it. So it it's almost like the bigger a church gets, the more difficult it is to do what I'm about to teach you. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's more difficult. Right? Um, so watch this. The the scripture says Acts two, forty-six, so continuing daily in one accord, everybody say one accord. No, they didn't have Hondas back then, in case you were wondering. It, Get it? The kids say I have old dad jokes. That was an old dad joke, right? Yes, they weren't in a Honda. So continuing daily in one accord. Get it, Honda Accord, for those of you who still are wondering. In the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They weren't trying to be all complicated. Praising God, having favor. Everybody say favor. Favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church... Daily. Everybody say daily. Daily, Daily, those who are being saved. Do I have a, do I have? Oh, yes. That word right there, accord, the Honda word, in the Greek is homothematum, right? And intense passion that is reciprocated, right? So the reciprocation, that's. The homo part means the same as right. So there is a the passion that's from one person is the same as the passion from another person. It's where uh, the thumatin is where we get the thuma, so where we get the word thermal, which is a it's a heat that retains itself. So there's this this warmth, this affection. It's an it's an its, it actually it's a term of endearment where people feel affection towards one another, and what happens is when you get around that, a lot of times people don't have language for it, but they sense, they go, something is unique here. And that's what's happening. They're in one accord. They So they continue daily in one accord. See, a lot of churches continue weekly in one accord. Or bi-weekly in one accord. Or they, they hang out and they break bread weekly or biweekly or twice a week. What's that called? No, not, biweekly is every other week. What's it called twice if you do it two times in one week? Double. <laughs> <laughs> I get a double order of that. <laughs> All right? So some churches, they do Sunday and Wednesday. Or they do Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday. But what if, what if a church fig- inconvenienced themselves enough? It's not, it's not convenient to do this. But if they inconvenience themselves enough to figure out how to hang out and eat at each other's house and have gladness, simplicity of heart, it doesn't have to be complicated. And if they praise God together multiple days throughout the week and they had favor with the people, could that church explode? Could God save people every single day? I think it could happen. It happened then. It could happen now. I love this guy who was one of our first guest speakers at our, for Elevate, and he said, your quality of life is a direct reflection of the expectations of your peer group. That's so good. You should write that down, even if you had not been taking notes the whole time. or just take a picture of it or something, or maybe make sure you get John to send it to you. Your quality of life is a direct reflection of the expectation, expectations of your peer group. Now, favor ain't fair, but favor must be used, and it's always given for a reason. And this is what we're going to end with. I still, didn't, I never heard the exact time to end, so I'm going to I'm going to stop in like three minutes, okay? Um, I mean five minutes, <laughs> because my watch thinks it's 2:24. Favor must be used and is given for a reason. I believe it's given for those at least those seven reasons, because Jesus told us, He said, "Go and make disciples of all nations." To disciple a nation, you need favor. Matthew 28, Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. I think that to disciple a nation, you have to have favor. Because to disciple a nation, you have to disciple the family because all of us came from somewhere. You have to disciple the family unit. You have to disciple faith because everywhere in the world, people believe something. Even in atheistic countries, they believe that there's nothing to believe. That is a belief system, right? (laughs) I was talking with a young person. I will tell you this story. (laughs) The other day and uh, at a friend of mine's 60th birthday party, it was their daughter, and she said, uh, well, there's no right or wrong. I'm like, no, wait a minute. I said, say that again. She says, there's no right or wrong. I said, do you think that statement's right? You just told me there's no right or wrong. Well, why are you wasting your breath to tell me something that you don't even believe is true? There's no right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. Is that statement right? Or should I not believe that either? Yeah, we all have. We all, there is an internal compass in all of us. Scripture talks about it in Romans 2. You have to disciple medicine because when people get sick in most places of the world, they don't go, oh, my gosh, I hope I feel this type of pain for the next 50 years. No, when people get sick, they go and try to get relief. If you're in Africa, you will go to a sangoma. You will go to a sangoma. You will find a sangoma who has a success record. And you will bring whatever animals you need to bring to that sangoma, and they will make you feel better. Christians need to stop yelling at government and model what is proper biblical health care to this nation. Don't yell at them demonstrate it, run for office, and be a Christian in Washington, D.C. So much so that there's so much favor on your life that you're so godly that even people who disagree with you goes, you know what, we need to do that. But don't just yell at people. You have to disciple medicine. Business, goods and services are exchanged in most cultures. When business, When goods and services are exchanged, government usually comes in and regulates it. So we have to, again, we have to disciple government, not yell at it. I don't know. I'm not called a disciple government, so that's what I do. But I do it at my house. I go to CNN, I go to Fox, I yell at both of them. I go, both of y'all lying. That's two you're looking at the same thing and you're telling two opposite stories. The truth is somewhere in the middle. That's right. It's like two scientists, they both graduate from Harvard. They look at the rock. One, rock. one says it's 8,000 years old because he believes in the flood, one says it's 8 billion years old because he believes there's no intelligent being that can create anything. That doesn't make any sense because his car was created by intelligence. I don't get it, but they believe that their eye, which sees in three dimensions, can be created by accident. A hundred billion connectors in your brain can happen by accident if you have enough billions of years? Okay, believe that. They're both smart. They both went to Harvard. They look at the same rock and they both say it's a different age. It's called an epistemological framework. So, what we have to do is I don't know how I got onto that, but I'll go. I'll go with education because of my epistemological framework and because of what I believe is true. I go into education and I use my favor to disciple education. And then some people need to disciple entertainment because no matter where you are in the world, there will come a time when you will want to turn your brain off and to be amused. Right? Muse is to think. Amuse—that's a negative. It means to not think. That's why. Which way is Disney? <laughs> good thing I ain't following y'all. <laughs> All right? All right? That's why that place is so powerful. Because one dude said, I'm going to create a place that's going to be happy. People are going to be able to turn their brains off. And the world's going to come here. And they thought he was crazy. Because when he was standing on the marsh, wherever that place is, they said, you're an idiot. He did pretty good for an idiot, didn't he? Yeah. And so we we will be entertained. And so in one sense, Disney is Mentoring, discipling, adding favor, bringing favor to entertainment. Hey, I'm gonna sing that song one more time. I hope you sing it along with me. And I think we're gonna do um, we're gonna do communion. Is that what's happening? But before we sing that song, uh, I want to pray for you if I can. Do you mind? Do you mind if I pray for you? How many of you would say? Um, now that you said what favor is, I would like some more of that. Anybody? Yeah, and my hand is up too. Uh, we need it. You know, it's cool. Even even people who uh, who may not share our worldview, uh, they can recognize favor, and they walk in it in powerful ways. And uh, I think we can learn something from them. So let's let's pray. Let's ask Him for for favor right now. Lord, I'm thanking You for the truth of Your Word. And not only the truth of what your word says, but the historical record of of people who've walked in favor. And because they've walked in that favor, and they've extended favor, that lives have been changed. Well, I thank you for the educational system. I thank you for Florence Nightingale, who was your child, who is the mother of modern nursing. I thank you for uh, Blaise Pascal. what he did i thank you for louis pasteur and what he did as your child and pasteurization we oftentimes look over these great men and women and we take for granted their work but they were people who were walking in your favor they were people who who wanted their lives to count on your behalf so lord we ask that you would give us favor teach us how to win it win it lord let us find favor let favor be given to us and let us walk in favor that your you would receive glory from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.